Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. That's Brandon. Today, we're talking about the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. Uh, we gave it enough time to really let all y'all incel simmer down. All up in the mentions, all up in the conversation, people I ain't never even talked to wanted to jump in to say how Ghostbusters Answer the Call wasn't a good movie because they refused to have the people from the original Ghostbusters in it, even though they had the people from the original Ghostbusters in it doing different roles. Also, um, Winston was in the movie, but in a different role. And I mean, all of them were in there, but in a different role. And that wasn't good enough for y'all. So in this movie, they had them in there in their original roles. And to make sure that they had them in there in their original roles, they used the original script. With kids. They're all the same script, though. They really are. And that's what I want people to realize. The only script that wasn't the first script was part two. Ghostbusters 2 was the only movie that went away from the original script and... Everybody else has just been trying to remake that first movie. So to be completely honest with you, I still, let's talk about the idea of a reboot. A reboot is when you start something all the way over again, new, using a whole new group of characters in a, in a different universe or in a different setting, and you don't pay homage to the people who were there before. Okay, fine. In my opinion, though, a reboot is also when you have kids this ain't a reboot this is just a continuation it's a continuation it's a sequel but it's also it's like passing the torch which is what the incels wanted they were like we just want them to pass the torch to them real quick just let our mans do their men thing it's like the force awakens yeah when uh han solo and chewie were in there that made that one all good for people it was good i liked it i liked it a lot I liked all of the, uh, well, most of them. When they tried to, again, do fan service, that's when I wasn't a fan of. So which one was that? Maybe the last Jedi? The very last one that they did in the group was probably my least favorite one because they took away from what they had built up, which was having black characters and, and Asian characters and, ladies in the lead roles who weren't being forced into a romance. The Rise of the Skywalkers. Rise of the Skywalker. Yes. So Ghostbusters, on the other hand, uh, decided to take their movie and uh, move it all the way out west. Like Montana or somewhere out there in, in, in the in the Midwest. And um, somehow after Ghostbusters 2 occurred, Egon uh, just said, I got to go save the world to the other three Ghostbusters. And instead of them saying, you know what, we should probably trust the guy who got us here. They're like, fuck you, you're selfish. And they went and they broke up. They don't, you know, say anything more than that. They were just like, we told him that we didn't like where he was rolling to. We weren't going. And that was that. And at the beginning of the movie, you see an old man sitting on a um, in a rocking chair in a dirt field. They actually call him the dirt farmer uh, throughout the movie. Um, and he senses evil approaching. And so he tries to turn on a proton pack field 
that would have sucked up whatever evil was out there, but it didn't work and the evil kills him. It turns out it was Egon. Um, Egon has a daughter. Turns out Egon's a deadbeat dad. Go figure. And Egon, the deadbeat dad, has a daughter and who has two and two grandchildren uh, who are about to get evicted from their house. Him being a deadbeat father does not. Um, it comes up often, but it doesn't explain why she's getting evicted from her spot. No, she's they said that she was bad with money. Yeah, they she tried to blame everything on him though. Like as soon as she found out they were going back to his, I was like, oh, this is a deadbeat dad. Like it ain't his fault that you're getting evicted. You bad with money. And the daughter says that because the the daughter, Phoebe, is just like Egon. Yeah, she's great. I thought she was the best part of the movie, honestly. Um, she's just like Egon. She's very scientific and she's scared that when she moves to this place, she won't have any new friends because she doesn't have any friends at the place they're currently at. Um, but they move and they get to, uh, the new home and Phoebe spots the PKE meter, um, that was under the chair that Egon was in when he died. There's earthquakes that hit this city, uh, constantly. Um, the country that shouldn't have earthquakes exactly and so as they're standing there dealing with an earthquake janine walks in for why i don't know here's the problem i have with this movie and there weren't a lot of problems with this movie because unlike a lot of folks i can like movies as they are um but i felt like they tried to plug in ghostbusters and ghostbuster people just to make the fans happy because in Ghostbusters 2, Janine and Lewis were a thing. So you're telling me that Janine just followed Egon to the Midwest to become what? His his secretary? His, his helper? His They never really say what the relationship was or why she's out there. She never shows up again. I thought they said that she... No, she just comes in and says that Egon had a lot of debt and this farm has no value. Out there because they heard she he died or something like that. No, not that I remember. I mean, it could be. But she came in and was like, oh, you're his you're his daughter. Oh, well, he left you with and she was like baggage. She was like, no, a lot of debt. Like a lot, a lot of debt. Yeah, he was, and that's why they said, "Oh, that's where you get being bad with money from." Mm-hmm. And so uh, they go into town to the only burger restaurant, I guess, in the entire town. Um, and she admits at this point, Carrie, their mom admits to them that they'll be staying there for a while because they don't have a house to go back to in New York. Um, they find out that everybody called Egon the dirt farmer. Uh, since there's no evidence that he ever grew any crops. Here's the problem I have with this. Okay. They call Egon the dirt farmer. They don't know who he is. Except for one guy who's literally just overflowing with information about the Ghostbusters. And he never goes to talk to Egon. He knows who Egon is, but he never goes and talks to him. He never tells anybody, this guy saved the world. 
Like we're right back to nobody acknowledging that the Ghostbusters saved the world except for one fan who's like, I'm his biggest fan. Ooh, is that a PKE meter? Ooh, is that a proton pack? Ooh, can I touch that? He didn't know that was Egon. He didn't know he was a Ghostbuster. He was just a weird dude that lived on the farm. He didn't know that was Egon until he found out later that it was Egon by talking to Phoebe or whatever. Yeah. He was just a weird dude in town, a weird dude, crazy dude that lived up in a dirt farm, had all these weird fucking signs and shit. So he didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah, it's just like, as soon as he finds out, though, it's like, I'm his biggest fan. Like, come on, bro. I know what Egon looks like, like that hair. If nothing else, that hair. Is Egon like I know it? And you look just like Egon, who I'm his biggest fan. Like nothing, never. When you saw him walking through the town, hold on. But he said that the dude never leaves his house except to go to that fucking one fucking hardware store or whatever. He doesn't go mm-hmm. in. So he probably never saw the dirt farmer. He just knows of him. Like when you're in a small town, that's how it is. It's like oh, the dude that lives in that fucking creepy old house, but nobody like. That doesn't mean you know who, what they look like. It's just he's the dirt. Oh, the dirt farm dude. Yeah, I heard stories about him. He doesn't know that he's Egon. He probably never seen him before in his life. Yeah, I can see that. So I wouldn't roll up on his fucking farm. I can tell you that much. That was like a place where I don't want to be. Yeah, in that town, everything looked like that. Like the whole town looked beat down. Honestly. They ain't yeah. all have fucking signs with weird shit on it <laughs> in the front of their driveway. Yeah, true. True. I guess. I, I would probably still pull up. Um, but Phoebe begins exploring the farm using the PKE meter for everything. Uh, she notices a chess move or a chess board that has a move made. So she makes a move from her side of the board and it, immediately you're like, okay, they're going to play chess back and forth. Uh, Phoebe gets placed in summer school. I don't know why she seems super smart, but maybe she just needed something to do. And that's where she meets Gary Gruberson. Gruberson, really? Uh, Gary's just there to collect a paycheck. And so he has the kids watching VHS the whole of old horror movies like Cujo while he sits in the back doing research on the tremors in the area. And Phoebe tells him her knowledge on seismology or seismology. Um, and he explains to her that, well, the tremors out here don't match up with typical earthquakes from history. Uh, and Phoebe also meets uh, Podcast. That's the kid's name, Podcast. He's called that because he has a podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Jason Reitman, ladies and gentlemen. His whole thing is, I'm going to walk around with a microphone and do a podcast. I'm always reporting. I'm always recording. I am the media. I'm always watching. I am podcast. Yeah, you ain't like that. I thought mm-hmm. that was that's exactly what a weird kid would do. Yeah, they. I'm just. I'm just. They didn't give him anything past that. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to. He's a side character. You always do this. Look he for more depth in characters. He's like the fifth, or he's like the sixth character, seven, six or seven character on here. Uh, let's see, because here's the problem. The sexiest man alive, the older brother, the black girl. The sexiest man ghost, alive. The ghost of Egon. 
Actually, you could put podcasts ahead of the black girl. You can put all of them ahead of the black girl because when the shit hits the fan, the black girl disappears until it's time for her to get turned into a dog. She went and did, I forget what she went. She went and did something. She was in the house. She came out the house and got turned into a dog. Yeah, but she had a whole lot of lines. In- oh, yeah. No, she, she, like I said, by and large, I enjoyed the movie. It's just. She had much more than Winston in that first movie. Oh, yeah, let's we'll get to Winston. So Phoebe sees that another uh, move was made on the chessboard and begins playing the ghost as the chess pieces begin moving in front of her. Then the ghost leads her downstairs by turning on lights until she finds the ghost trap uh, under a floor panel. She takes it to Gary, Gary Gruberson, where he explains what it is based on his knowledge of the famed New York siege from 1984. And he looks it up on YouTube. Phoebe also meets uh, Phoebe also uh, tells him about how that's her grandfather and and they bond and all that kind of stuff. And then they rig the trap to a school bus battery, which, Gary, really, this is this is what we're going to do. I feel like that on YouTube now that people don't think is real. Everyone's just oh, that's some bullshit. That's fake. Probably is. But it's literally shit like that on YouTube right now that people are like, this really fucking happened. And you go, and it's like, oh, this is fucking fake. You made that shit up. It's fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah. You mean all those, go- like, this light turns on a no- out of nowhere ghost story. I don't know what I feel about ghosts, honestly. Because I used to watch that show on uh, MTV called Fear. Where they would walk around in, in haunted locations in the dark. And it was a game show. And um, folks would have to stand in a dark area where it was an insane asylum. They'd have to stand in the uh, a room for like 10 minutes with no lights or anything. And I don't know if they just let their mind get the best of them or whatever, but they would literally start freaking out because there were no lights. It was just pitch really black on TV shows. But I feel like some of that shit that's on YouTube that people capture themselves. Some of that shit is like unexplainable. I feel like some of the shit that happened in that show was unexplainable. Like it was on MTV. I don't remember the exact name of it because it came out in like the late nineties, but it was a show where they went and investigated haunted locations. I'm pretty sure it was called fear and it was dope. So they rigged this ghost trap up to the, to a school bus battery because for some reason they want to open it and they open it. And one of Gozer's dogs come out and runs into a minefield or runs into a, uh, a, a, a mine cave. What's it called? Uh, a mine shaft. Um, Trevor, who's played by the kid from Stranger Things. Um, Who? Find, yeah. Huh? That's the kid from Stranger Things? Yeah, that's, that's Finn Wolfhard. Oh shit! Yeah, that's Eleven's boyfriend. You didn't tell? No, I didn't know that was Mike. And that's why looking at him, I'm wondering how they're going to do this next season of Stranger Things because they're all dumb old. Like as far as it was from where they were when they first did Stranger Things, he looks like a teenager. Like there's no denying it. First two seasons of Stranger Things. Isn't Stranger Things supposed to be chronological? So they should be older. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much time they're going to have between this season and the previous season. Probably like three years. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Trevor finds Ecto-1 in the barn under a tarp. And uh, Phoebe finds Egon's lab in the basement. And so they both begin to realize, you know, that their grandpa was a Ghostbuster and begin to take matters into their own hands. She repairs a proton blaster with help from Egon's invisible ghost. And she takes it out for a test with podcasts with her. Um, upon firing it, they hear a rustling in a nearby warehouse. And when they go into the warehouse, they find the metal eating ghost named Muncher. And so they try to capture it, but they fail. Uh, it's like a variant of Slimer. Yes. And Trevor is joyriding Ecto-1 until he comes upon Phoebe and Podcast, who tell him what they were doing. And so they take off to capture Muncher and Ecto-1. They chase him through the city and destroy, like, half the city. Half this town. Half, half a Main Street, let's be real. Um, with the proton gun. But they succeed in capturing it with Egon's RC car-mounted ghost trap. Um, the cops are alerted and they're subsequently pulled over and put in the town's holding cell where we meet the cop, the uh, police chief, played by Evil Dave Chappelle. I swear to God, I wish I could remember what the dude's name is. The dude from Caught Up, Bokey and Woodbine. Um, they are arrested and Phoebe is told that she gets one phone call. This was an eye-rolling moment for me because she used her one phone call not to call her mom, not to call Gary Gruberson, but to call Race Dance in New York from the Ghostbusters. Brilliant. Why? Because you call somebody that's going to believe this shit. You call somebody to get you out of jail. They weren't going to keep that little kid in jail forever. She knew that. She's smart. Little white kid. They were gonna let eventually her parents are gonna show up and get her out of jail. She wanted to find out what the fuck's going on because she's a weird scientist. Yeah, but so, she could have called him when she got back home. She could have she could have called at any point, honestly. She saw the telephone number. Honestly, but if you remember honestly, the, the telephone number was from 1984. Yeah. The fact that she called a phone number 37 years later and it still worked is just luck. It is luck. But you got to remember, she was on a deadline because remember, they said that the whatever was going to happen was about to happen. Yeah. And so yeah. She's like, I got to figure out what's about to happen now or it's going to I forget what they said, but whatever was about to happen, they were on a deadline. And so they were trying to hit that deadline. Well, Ray tells her that the team broke up after they had all after they after they had eliminated all the ghosts. And he and Egon had a falling out after Egon stole all their equipment, claiming that Gozer was still going to bring about the end of the world. Uh, Phoebe tells him that Egon was killed a week ago, uh, and then she gets cut off by the sheriff, claiming that her her call is her time is up. And Carrie and Gary, you see that Carrie and Gary were out on the date during all this, and they show up and bail them out. Uh, Phoebe gets on her mom for not telling her that not telling them that Egon was her grandfather. Carrie counters with the history she had with her dip with her dad beat dad. She wasn't in a science like he was and felt like they never bonded and that he didn't care about her. And that's why he left them and became a recluse on the Oklahoma farm. So at this point in time, we all know, I think Nisha was the first one to say it out loud in the movie theater. I bet he has a secret room with pictures of her all over the place. <laughs> 
And guess what? So the kids uh, feeling like they're the reason why their, their grandfather would have sacrificed everything to live on a farm. Uh, they go into his lab that his dirt farm was actually on. And they find out this dirt farm was actually hundreds of ghost traps meant to capture Gozer. They realize that this trap must have failed and set off to investigate the mine shaft again because Trevor has gone there with Lucky, the girl at the when they go to the restaurant the first time, he sees Lucky delivering food and he's like, I want to work for you. I want to work with you. He was sprung. He was hella sprung. Uh, good for you like in a, looking at liking a black woman at your age right so he gets the job and he gets treated like shit by everybody there but lucky um, and they go out to the mine shaft uh, he and lucky and while they're there it starts shaking and shit so they're like what's going on um, they go back to the mine shaft again uh, with Lucky and Phoebe and Podcast and Trevor. And they discovered that the root of all the tremors is the fact that the mine is actually a portal to the evil dead. And every time Gozer attempts to raise the horde of dogs, along with the twin demon dogs, a series of four seismic activated proton guns that Egon rigged up inside turn on. And he has them rigged to automatically cross beams and suppress the constant attempts of the ghost trying to escape. Yeah, because Vern Schillinger was down there. Yep. And this was a source of the recurring tremors that everybody in town was experiencing. And holding Gozer back was an insurmountable task Egon had taken on alone since no one else believed him. Even his fellow Ghostbusters. That night, it gets stupid. Gary goes to Walmart to pick up some ice cream after his day with Carrie. And he discovers several mini Stay Puft Marshmallow men roaming the store. They just, you know, come alive in the bag, break open the bag, take over Walmart. Like gremlins, really. <laughs> like, seriously, that's the only thing I could think of was like, this is so much like gremlins. that This is crazy. Uh, he also comes upon the demon dog that he released earlier and he gets chased out to his car and Gets attacked right before he gets to his car. Just like, you know. We saw Resident Evil yesterday. It was it was kind of like that. I didn't see it. It was good. Kind of. It was, it was closer to the video game than the other movies were. Like a lot closer. Um, have you ever played Resident Evil? Like long time ago. Mike loves it. That's so Mike would Mike would love the Resident Evil movie, Welcome to Raccoon City. They had Jill Valentine in there. They had Claire uh, Redfield. They had Chris Redfield. They had Wesker in it, Albert Wesker. They had Sherry in it. Like, they had everybody in it. They had Leon in it and a big-ass mansion. That's literally Resident Evil 1. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um... Gary gets taken by gets attacked by the dog and at the farmhouse Carrie finds a hidden lab and again finds out that her dad Egon has a memory board of her entire life on the wall how he was getting these pictures how he had this memory board when there was no internet or anything like that they never say Probably from his mom. parents just make it do what it do that's what we do 
you know, he was probably like, I got to go save the world. Keep sending me pictures of my daughter. Never send her out here. Gozer might kill her. But just as she realized that he truly cared about her, the other demon dog finds her in a lab and possesses her. Gatekeeper, Keymaster. If they explained that because they had the little carvings under their mind shaft and they said mm-hmm. it comes around a certain amount of years and they had 1984. Yeah, every 5,000 years, I think. No, it wasn't every, or every 25 years. Sorry, 5,000 years is a different movie. Yeah, 84 and then they had 2021. And there was another one, right? It was another one after. In between, that. yeah, between eighty four and twenty twenty one, there was another one that occurred. So, mm-hmm. but yep, the kids come to reveal their discovery to Carrie, but they find her possessed. She jumps out the window and runs towards the mine shaft, and she finds Gary, and they, the key goes into the lock. I mean, he is the sexiest man alive. Was she? What she had no choice, dude. He's never aged. It's crazy. He still looks the same as he did on Clueless. He is the opposite of most of his people. Yes, he ages like black folks. Meanwhile, other folks don't. And so um, the man, kids. Were tr- was, <laughs> that man was born in 1969. He looks. He does not look that age at all. Even Keanu Reeves is aged more than Paul Rudd. Like, we got to give this the attention it deserves. So, um, uh, Lucky helps them retrieve Ecto-1 from the police impound. I swear, nobody has real names except for the main uh, characters. You could tell who the side characters are in this sh- in this movie. Lucky podcast. So Phoebe and podcaster using the RC ghost trap and proton blaster. Uh, they get them out the weapon, our weapon holding cell by reaching in and releasing Muncher, who immediately eats away the bars and escapes towards the mine shaft as well. They arrive at this mine and witness Carrie and Gary transforming into the demon dogs with Gozer sitting between them. Phoebe steps out of the hiding to talk to them and distract them while podcast controls the RC trap and captures the demon dog possessing Carrie. This releases her from the dog form as she passes out. And uh, the kids escaping Ecto-1 with Carrie um, as the Gary dog chases after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get back to the farmhouse and attempt the same exact trap as Egon, but it still doesn't work. Uh, Gozer appears out the cornfield and they turn on the traps and just as Gozer's about to kill Phoebe, she's hit with a proton blast from behind. And it's Ray Stance who just happened to appear at this house. No address. No clue. No information. No, no telephone number. No nothing. Just show up. Just pull up. Literally, like, okay, so they went to jail. He knew where he was at the whole time. They said that when she talked on the phone to him. They just thought he, they just didn't fuck with him. He said that he was going to uh, save the world. But yeah. did he say exactly where he was going to to save the world? Going to whatever fucking town they were going in. He said they were going, I forget the name of the town. But he said it's that in he, Oklahoma, I don't know. whatever fuck small ass town he was going to 
because something crazy was about to happen. And yeah, I thought that all he said was that he's that he stole all the equipment, saying that Gojo could still bring about the end of the world, and that he went to some small town. He knew what small town he was going. So my assumption is that um that he was telling them he kept telling them like this is about to happen this is about to happen you know this is where i'm at and they were like fuck you we don't fuck with you and so they but they knew where he was at and so when the little girl called and said you know he you know he died or whatever they were like oh shit you know it's it's probably about to go down and they came out there i want to know how much time passed from when she talked on the phone to him exactly if it was like two days then I'm like, I'm like okay you know they can hop but I, I feel like this all happened the same day but it wasn't because the hold on hold on let, let me look at the timeline here uh phoebe the same day. phoebe confronted her mom about not telling them who uh their grandfather really was they find his dirt farm and the hundreds of uh, ghost traps it might have been a nope it says the same night they turn they get possessed the kids come home to reveal their discovery and find out she was possessed. Then they go straight over to the mine shaft. Yeah, but it wasn't the same day because it, it was the daytime when um, Phoebe and them were riding through the city chasing that ghost. And then it was nighttime, nighttime when they got arrested. So it had to be the next day. Then the next day is when they got all together to, to do that plan. So it was at least it was at least a day in between the call. And I feel like you can't fly everywhere in Oklahoma. I feel like they had to catch like a little plane later on. We'll find out why they were able to do all this. And trust me, this also pissed me off. Um, But Ray and Peter and Winston show up and they all get their little lines. They all get to talk and, and goes or asks Ray, are you a God? (laughs) I laughed at that point because Peter and Winston looked at him like, if you fuck this up twice, I swear to God. And Ray was like, yes, I am a God. And they still get beat up. <laughs> they cross the beams and fire a gozer and she appears right. subdued. But right. then she, huh? He learned. He learned his lesson. Exactly. Like, After they looked at him like, you better not fuck this up. Like, you could see the look in their eyes. Um, they cross the beams and fire a gozer and she appears subdued. But then she uncrosses the fucking beams. And blast the Ghostbusters back, causing them all to fall down. Uh, Gozer approaches them as Peter makes jokes about all the troubles in their relationship. Um, and just as she reaches them, she's again captured by a soul proton beam. So three proton beams can do anything to him, but one proton beam can, because this time it's Phoebe, whose aim is being guided by the ghost of Egon and the power of love. And this is the first time his image is revealed to the audience. The three other Ghostbusters jump up and uh, join the battle by firing their beams as well. Uh, With the combined force of four beams, once again, Gozer is suppressed but not captured. Trevor emerges from Ecto-1 and fires his proton beam at the electrical towers. And the burst of energy fires them up and activates all the traps under their dirt fields. And Gozer and the demon dogs are destroyed. One of the demon dogs turn was lucky because she came outside and uh got turned into a demon dog like toot sweet hey dog uh the three living ghostbusters stare in amazement at the side of the ghost form of their fallen comrade 
They watch as he says goodbye and fixes Phoebe's glasses and gives Carrie a hug. Uh, his form fades and dissipates into the night sky. Now that he was a ghost, helping the Ghostbusters kill ghosts, doesn't that make him a house nigga? Anyhow, um, Lucky and Gary break free of the frozen dog carcasses, and Winston says he's going to fix up Ecto-1. And the last shot is Ecto-1 driving with the emergency lights on back in New York City. Love this movie. Now, I really enjoyed this movie. After credit scene, Janine is back in New York talking with Winston. This is Jason Reitman's form of an apology for all the shit they put Winston through. Turns out Winston's rich as fuck. After the Ghostbusters fell apart, he started a uh, financial business, started a banking, and became super rich. So rich that he decided to spend his money paying the other Ghostbusters rent. So Winston has ascended to magical Negro status. That's right. And uh, he kept the lights on for uh, Ray, even though nobody was buying his books. He repurchases the, the, the firehouse. And now I'm like, what's going to happen next? Because they brought all the stuff back to uh, New York City. But the kids are in Oklahoma. All the ghosts are gone out of Oklahoma now. That All the was, ghosts are gone out everywhere. They thought, yeah, but they don't. The, the he only went there because of that mine shaft, whatever the fuck happened there. Mm-hmm. So once they took care of that shit. You know, you don't need that shit in Oklahoma no more. You go back to where the ghosts are, New York City. Yeah. So does that mean that the kids are no longer the focal point of this movie? And even. In the, a place where the kids are the focal point of this movie, the kids still didn't save the day. It was still the original Ghostbusters popping up out of nowhere. So Phoebe saved the day. And the Ghostbusters. No, they, they helped them. But Phoebe saved the day because they kept, they didn't know how to fix, they didn't know how to beat the person. They kept shooting them and she kept walking through that shit. It kept, whatever. They kept Actually, walking. Trevor saved the day by starting up the electrical field, but Phoebe's gun, yes, it did slow it down, but then they realized that all four of their guns would be what was necessary to stop her. No, Phoebe shot the shot the thing to reignite the electricity. No, Trevor shot the thing. Oh, yeah, Trevor did that. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor shot it. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Phoebe just helped subdue Gozer along with the other three Ghostbusters. Yeah, Trevor saved the day. So perfect. I love this movie. My second favorite Ghostbusters movie. My third. It's Ghostbusters, then this one, then the one with the uh, the women, and then Ghostbusters 2. For me, it's Ghostbusters, and then Ghostbusters 2016, and then this one. I Ghostbusters love- 2 should have never happened. I love Paul Rudd. I, I do. That is true. I thought the kids' characters all had like interesting characters. I thought podcast was interesting and funny. I thought Phoebe was a really interesting character. I really liked how they drew Phoebe out of her shell as time went on. And you can see her getting more comfortable. I, I appreciated that. Podcast like- was cool. I felt that he was one note. Lucky was one note. I didn't even know that her dad was the police chief until 
just happened to, you know, she just happened to walk out of the back of the police department while they're being arrested. Yeah, she's a side character. I keep telling you this every time we watch movies. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's because I just watched the movie. I watch a lot of movies where the side characters are actually given depth as well. Yeah, but they were. But they're like... So you had the mom who had... Carrie. And you had Phoebe. Mm -hmm. Trevor. Actually, Gary didn't even have any depth. No, he's a side character too. He was there to be the... The The fan. The funny fan. Yeah, that's what he was there. And that's what he did. Everybody don't need a three-dimensional character. You got the man, especially in a movie like this. If we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about like Succession, like one of the best TV shows of all time. You're yeah, welcome. You got to have, yes, I am. I I have never thanked you for something more. That is like, so <laughs> that is like honestly, it's, when it's all said and done, if they don't fuck it up before they finish the show, it's really going to be like a top five TV show ever made. Like it's fuck. This season was fucking incredible. Uh, but anyway, shows like that or movies like that, like yeah, you got to develop these people, and they're got to be really complex, like multifaceted people. But in a movie like Ghostbusters, I want uh, two to three people that have some growth or change throughout the movie, which we got, and I want a supporting cast that fits in where they need to fit in for those people and so lucky fit in for trevor podcast fit in for phoebe and paul rudd fit in for callie or carrie whatever the fuck her name was i forget what her name was so you had all those people supporting the main group loved it i love this fucking movie i had, the only thing that was wrong with this movie it was, it was too fucking long they should have cut this movie by 30 minutes they should have yes it was way too long but Wait. there, there, there were, and it didn't need after credit scenes. It didn't need two at least. Could have just had one. Yeah, the second one was uh, goes all the way back to the first Ghost, but well, they, this whole movie's the first Ghostbusters. But uh, with Peter uh, doing his psychic test with Dana. And Dana's running the psychic test, and he's admitting to, to Dana how he used to take advantage of the women at his uh, at the school while uh, punishing the guys who did nothing wrong. And that's the movie. And that's the movie. I like it. I don't want people to think I don't like it. I just, I can see through it. I know exactly what Jason was doing. I know exactly what his goal was. His goal was to cater to the people. And he didn't help matters by saying, by talking shit about the women's version of Ghostbusters as well. Um, I feel like the, I feel like Lucky getting a bit more of a role. I I, I, I still feel like she could have had more time. Uh, but I feel like her getting more of a role is 2021. Like, I'm not shocked by that. You know, at this point in time, she should get a, a bigger role in the movie because there's no reason why they should say, oh, there's no black folks living here at all. Um, I would have actually been OK with that in this particular movie, just because they were in some bumfuck small ass. In, uh, right. In, in Oklahoma. But the fact that they had her there and 
Have Bo Keen Woodbine there as the police chief, which I laughed at. And they talked to her about they got to, they had to sit down with her and she got to talk about like, you know, she's fourth generation in this town, which explains why she's there. Because mm-hmm. it's not gonna be many black people that move there. So yep. the only ones that'll be there is someone who has a reason to be there. And they talked to her about and she basically expressed like, I'm not trying to be have my kids be a fifth generation and you know, I'm gonna get out or something like that. So they 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 gave her some backstory. And Trevor was like, You can run away from me, baby. <laughs> yeah, Trevor is definitely ready to go. Right. He was ready to risk it all the first time he saw her. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I, I enjoyed the movie. I did. I just thought Gruberson was a stupid name. Um, I thought that it echoed the first one way too much and some originality would have been nice but the kids were delightful and Paul Rudd was delightful and yes podcast was delightful like he was so earnest and just happy (laughs) I feel like before uh, Phoebe got there podcast didn't have very many friends either no, I think he said that. Okay. Um, There's someone for everyone. Yep. And here's the part. Jen, uh, Janine tells uh, Callie, your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could barely keep the lights on. And Callie's like, you're saying he left us with nothing? And Janine says, well, I wouldn't say nothing. There's a considerable amount of debt. That don't explain why she's there. She just is. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you, had, to, you had to see her in her. Yeah. Her love. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> so that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Again, I don't see the um, anything that would warrant this as being anything more than just a good sequel i i don't understand the fervor about ghostbusters nobody said anything when rocky got remade in the creed nobody said when anything when spider-man or batman got rebooted 50 11 times which reminds me the uh trailer for enter the spider-verse or or again in the Spider-Verse, uh, part one looks incredible. I, I was so happy. But for this, this is what we're protecting. And that didn't make sense to me. So, um, Next uh, group of movies, it's my turn. I know what you're picking. What am I picking? I already know the answer. What? Matrix movies. Oh, shit. You're right. It is Matrix movie month. Because uh, the new Matrix movie comes out at the end of the month. Fuck. Okay, fine. I'll get my month for January. I thought that was what you were doing. Fuck no. Oh, I just what I thought. Fuck no. Ah, man. I was trying to go to to, uh, uh, Hollywood Shuffle and all that kind of shit. We don't have uh, to don't do be it. a menace, but no, we we like you're right with um with the matrix 
Revelation or whatever it's called coming out, we should do The Matrix this upcoming month. So next week, we will do The Matrix Part 1. And I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched these movies in a very long time. Uh, neither have I, but I remember exactly where I was the first time I saw the Matrix movie the first nine times. <laughs> what? Dude, it came out when I was a freshman <laughs> in college. I watched that movie. Whew, and then I took my brother to the movies to watch it. Whew, and then I watched it by myself again. I ain't never watched a movie in the movie theater as much as I watched The Matrix. Period. Well, this is gonna, was, I have a lot of questions because I still don't understand The Matrix completely. Yeah, me either. But maybe when I watch it outside of a fanboy eye, I will understand it better. Don't we have guests for The Matrix movies? I thought no. we had guests for that. Hold on. Let's take a look. Yep, we do. At least for the first one. Uh, we got... Matt St. Jack from uh, Anime Talk doing the first one. And uh, for Reloaded and Revolution and uh, Revelations, we have nobody. I'm sure somebody will jump on. We just put it. Oh, I'm certain. I am certain of it. So let me see. I have to get back to Succession. Um, I am halfway through season two, I believe. I stopped while I was cooking for Thanksgiving. This last episode, man. <laughs> One of the darkest, saddest hours of television I've ever watched in my entire life. I am so happy by just how happy you are with this uh, show, to be honest with you. Three times every week. It's the best show. I've. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. At least the first three seasons so far. <sighs> yep. I'll get back to it soon. Because then white people are wilding out. Wilding the fuck out. So, uh, thank you all so much for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at that cool black nerd for Brandon. That's BLK. I'm there at Rashani. The show is Hindsight Reviews. Um, R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can email the show at hindsightmoviereviews at gmail.com. Again, that's R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can leave a voicemail at 916-633-1537. And you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. Um, also, uh, leave a review on Podchaser, copy and paste it in the Apple Podcast, and then copy and paste that in the Good Pods. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been checking us out on Good Pods and also on Podchaser. Brandon, you got anything? No, I don't got nothing. Okay. Well, listeners, thank you all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. for hindsight is coffee by cambo smith and it's from the free music archive this is single simulcast